0: It's Cofield and Company, live on ESPN Las Vegas and ESPN Sports Reno.
1: Rolling along, Cofield and Company, on this Wednesday, live from the Final Four in a little bit. Steve Cofield, live from Houston. I will join him coming up on Friday. Go FAU. Owl gang. Uh, we We are getting ready for that. Opening day tomorrow, Major League Baseball, and so much more. We'll hear what Steve Cofield has to say from down in Houston. Also got the NIT final coming up tomorrow. We can get into a little bit of that. I was out there last night, all Conference USA, all the time. What a postseason for that league that has been going on. Uh, But we do want to get into some of our favorite subjects, some legal legal issues here on the show with Justin Watkins, who joins us right now, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, in studio. How are you doing, sir?
2: Doing pretty good, uh, you know. I'm going to be opposite of the Owl Gang oh, on this fine. one, just because you know Pac-12's best program, it's San Diego State, is in the <laughs> <Final> <laughs> four, yeah. so
1: they might as well win the whole thing. Fair enough, fair enough. As a uh, as a Pac-12 guy, that makes some sense. Uh, and also for the Mountain West people, hey, look, keep getting shares of that, keep getting shares of that tournament money as, as, as San Diego State continues to win. Uh, by the way, I'll I'll get into the just the rough beat that so many oh. very sharp betters had. In this tournament. One of the one of the most bet props oh. for some of the sharp betters out there going into this tournament was Mountain West Conference to have under three and a half victories. And you got exactly what you wanted in the first round. The Mountain West went one and three. So all you gotta do is have San Diego State not advance to the final four and you win. And they advance to the final four. They got four wins on their own to go over the prop for the Mountain West. So all that handicapping, all that great analysis doesn't matter. Mountain West goes over. With four wins from San Diego State, and uh, as I mentioned, Conference USA as well. We'll get into it a little bit more later on in the show. <clears throat> Conference USA is seventeen and one in the postseason this year. Seventeen and one, Florida Atlantic all the way to the Final Four. The NIT features two Conference USA teams that have gone all the way through. Charlotte won the CBI, so none of those teams lost. Right. Rice went one and one in the CBI. Seventeen and one for Conference USA, and all five postseason teams are leaving the league. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they're all going to the AAC next year wow <laughs> that is wild so good run You're, for them you but you mentioned
3: uh, real quick I I found you mentioned bad beat uh and you were at the NIT last night but I uh I love the over in the Wisconsin North Texas game they were on pace to hit like 140 points they landed on 110 What did they score in the second half? So 70
1: points in the first half, 115 and a half was the total. Clearly looked over. Wisconsin hit a three-pointer with 9.07 left to go up 54-46. The final was 56-54 North Texas. Wisconsin did not score the final 9.07 of the game. (laughs) They made one of their last 16 shots. Stays under. Stays under the total at 110. That was that was wild. Brutal. Wild game there. Uh, a wild game with the Knights, too, Justin. We'll get into some legal topics in a second, but I know you follow the Golden Knights very closely, and uh, they have been absolutely scorching hot until Edmonton came up last night, and uh, Jonathan Quick is what we thought he was. <laughs> that was not a good effort last night. But he also didn't have much help. They were getting a, a barrage of shots off. The Golden Knights weren't creating much themselves. Um how concerned are you after last night's game because nobody was really concerned going into last night they were it they're winning every single game was last night eye opening
2: uh no i don't think it was eye opening i mean i i i think all their deadline moves have been good including quick i think it was good um i don't i hope that if we have all of our goalies healthy that at best he's the third goalie in the in the uh, postseason. I, I do not want him starting a game. It's fine if he's traveling with a team and he's providing that like veteran presence. You don't mind and, him getting a per diem? Yeah, you just don't want whatever. <laughs> That's fine, but if Thompson's he- healthy, I want it to be Thompson's net. Yeah. Um, I actually think that Aiden Hill and Brassois have, have both shown to be good in net, um, especially when all six defenders are healthy, which may or may not be the case. I mean, Shea Theodore went out for the third period and won't play. The next game, at least, is day-to-day. So I think they did everything that they were supposed to do at the deadline. All those moves have filled the holes that they needed to be filled. But I'll be concerned. If Jonathan Quicks are starting goalie on game one of the postseason, yes, I'm concerned. Um, either because they chose that or because they they have so many injuries that they're forced into that, Then I then I think we're in trouble. But I also think that defensively we're just a wreck. He's
3: I not going to be Yeah. if they're fully healthy yeah. or I not even fully healthy. If Logan Thompson's healthy, he's the number one hands down. It's 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 I, that's I that's not even a question. There's they're not going to move put quick in in front of Logan Thompson. Now, if they're if they're decimated by injuries and that's the route they have to go, then that's the route they have to go. If the playoffs were to start today, they're playing the Winnipeg Jets, but I believe who would be next on deck? The Kings, the winner of the Kings and Kings, Oilers? Yeah. Kings and so, Oilers. So that that's, Jonathan that Quick could,
1: could help the Kings win another Stanley Cup. Yeah, Cubs. exactly. <laughs> well, I actually think that,
2: yeah, I was going to say, I actually think that Edmonton's a better matchup for the Knights than the Kings are currently, um, especially now that the Kings have shored up their goaltending. They, I mean, they've been on fire too. Uh, well, Edmonton, the other Vegas, and Kings are all on fire right now. <laughs> they all won eight of their last 10 games. Yeah. Well, now they two of them lost, so now it's... Seven of the last ten, eight of the last eleven, um, and and Edmonton's won nine of their last eleven.
3: I personally love it. Yeah, I personally oh, love it. I personally love it because of all the people that that don't necessarily follow NHL or they jump in and out, whatever. But they just ju- a lot of people jump on narratives because they hear it being said all the time, so it just becomes habitual. Yep. That the Pacific Division sucks. Well, it doesn't really right now because. They're the hottest ones, and what do they say in the NHL? What have we learned in the five, six years that the NHL's been here? It's all about who's hot going into that final month and into the postseason. Who's got the hot hand? Who's got the hot goaltender? And right now, Pacific Division's playing pretty well. Hey, and by the way, so is the Central Division. Dallas, which was nip and tuck with Vegas to lead the Western Conference, is now in third. The Wild, who will be here Saturday,
2: they're on top, right? So they're in Colorado, and they play tonight. They play tonight. Well, Adam would love this. I, they, they were talking on NHL radio about should the postseason be have no crossover of wild card? Should it be truly divisional? You know, just the top four in each division play. No. And, and and the consensus was no. There needs to be crossover. But I actually think they cross over the wrong thing. The crossover shouldn't be the worst team. The crossover should be the second place team. If the second place team is better than the first place team of the other division, they should swap and and so they get to play
1: the weaker division Now we're getting crazy. Yeah, There's a lot a of, lot of movement or, or swap the firsts we, we can we'll swap one thing we forgot something so go ahead Ari.
2: Battleborne injury lawyers presents
1: the big four at four
2: number four.
1: Three, two, whatever. We've already done a couple. Um, Number three. Do another one. Two. Why not? <laughs> Number two. There we go. Uh, I do want to get into the, the NFL has approved sports books to be in stadiums. It's wild that it's come to this. The progress that we've made in terms of sports betting around the nation is it's, it's baffling, but it's not because the NFL now has a piece of it. So that's why they're in on this. Do you do you see any issues with it? I, I don't I don't think anything can happen. I don't think there could be problems necessarily above and beyond what there already is. But having sports books in stadiums operating while games are going on is a big step. You cool with it? Yeah. Me Why too. not? Me too. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah.
2: It's, it's horse racing.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> you should be able to run to the window and make a in-, in game bet. It's good. I yeah. like it. Yeah. It's I don't good. think it's going to really change anything. I mean,
1: everybody's going to be doing it on their phones anyway, right? Yeah. Mobile all over. Yep. And they can run. No, nope, nobody's gonna run at halftime to make a bet in the game. The only thing I'll see is people will be leaving their seats to go watch other games. Yep. In the sports book at the stadium, yep. that's right. what I would be doing. Yep. Right. So it might be an issue there, but uh, otherwise, I think uh, it's totally fine and encouraged, and I like it. Oh yeah, yeah. easy upgrade access. You get access to sports book and a seat.
2: You know?
3: Yeah, I was just gonna say, and so now you're, there's gonna be. The, those sports books that can you know that can't push enough download the app download the app now you're going to be able to download the app in the stadium you know hey we made one pregame now it's just going to encourage in game it's 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 fascinating it's fascinating because it was January 2003 I'm just looking at the story here from the associated press uh, NFL rejects Las Vegas commercial the National Football League has refused to accept a Super Bowl commercial from the LVCVA. Brian McCarthy said that the commercial was ejected last month after league officials reviewed it. Didn't specify why, and I think that was the beginning of the "What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas" campaign.
1: Yep. They didn't let them show a promo for the show Las Vegas, which I, by oh, the way, it? yeah, I, and by the way, rewatching right now, it's a fantastic show. I mean, it's very cheesy, but it's it's great. I love That's it. That's the one with James Conn. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Number one. All right, we'll start this now. Probably continue it uh, as we roll through the hour here with uh, ju- with Justin Watkins. Um, there's developments in the case, Brett Favre against Pat McAfee. Uh, McAfee's side, which he does have a lawyer now. Yep. He didn't at first. He said he wasn't going to get one. I think probably wise Yes, to get a lawyer yes. in this situation. Even if it's a joke, you want a lawyer to navigate this, and they have moved it out of state court to federal court. Now, the federal judge, his chambers are in Hattiesburg. In Brett's hometown, but they wanted to get out of state court. Why is that? and How can you just say, like, I don't want it thing?
2: Oh, well, so there's a couple of different reasons. So first off, you can remove a case from state court on what's called diversity jurisdiction. That means that the party who's being sued is not a resident or domiciled in the state in which they are being sued, even if there is proper jurisdiction, and the amount in controversy exceeds $75,000. So those are the two things you've got to prove. Pat McAfee is not a resident of Mississippi, and that this dispute is in excess of $75,000, what they used to show that was statements from Favre's attorneys who said, we're going to bankrupt McAfee, to going to cost of millions. Yes. So they said, well, well, so the case must be worth more than 75000 sure, sure. So, <clears throat> they removed it to federal court. Why is federal court better? Federal court is better for defendants, not for plaintiffs, typically, for a couple different reasons. Number one, your jury has to be unanimous in federal court. So, one holdout can prevent a plaintiff from recovering any money. Number two, the rules are really rigid in federal court, and they're less forgiving for any missed deadlines, any delays, you are much more likely to get the trial that you want as a defendant when you want it in federal court than you would be in any state court. And lastly... Can I,
1: can I guess on another one? Yep. More Federal judge more likely to grant a summary judgment.
2: That is true, although not in a timely manner. Ah. Uh, federal court is not known for their timeliness, okay. but... Um, they they are not politically uh, appointed uh, on recurring basis, and they're not elected on a recurring basis. Federal judges are appointed once for the rest of their life. Uh, and so the, the theory is, it's not always true, but the theory is is that they are much more likely, to do what the law says, even if it's politically controversial or publicly controversial, um, because they don't face the consequences of that, where an elected judge, like in Nevada, our state judges are elected, would be less likely to do something controversial.
1: We are, we'll get in a little bit more, because I have a couple of questions specifically on this, uh, but we have about a minute before we get a break here. And Just on the surface, it's this is a joke, right? This is not going anywhere. Uh, well,
2: I think if, if it goes anywhere that's any, in, in any way impactful, it's not going to be where Brett Favre likes it to be. <laughs> sure. So, sure. I mean, I think that <laughs> it's much more likely that the evidence that's produced by the District Attorney's Office uh, or the Attorney General's Office in Mississippi is super helpful to McAfee's case and all but obliterates
1: Favre's case and that he gets awarded attorney's fees and costs. That's, that's a real risk. Yeah, So a couple more questions on this. We'll continue. Uh, Justin Watkins joins us here uh, as we are coming to you live from the Finley Toyota Studios here in Las Vegas. Steve will be down in Houston. Ruffin Reno as well. All over the place with you with Justin Watkins and Adam Hill. Willie Ramirez continuing on a Wednesday. Cofield and Company will have more on the Favre McAfee case and Bracketgate. What is that? We'll get to it next
0: it's time for ESPN Las Vegas legal insider Justin Watkins to present the facts only on ESPN Las Vegas.
1: This Cofield and Company back here with you, Adam Hill, Willie Ramirez, with Justin Watkins, Steve Cofield will be along shortly, live from Houston. Uh, we were talking about the Brett Favre, Pat McAfee case. It's also Brett Favre, Shannon Sharp. A couple other people are named in that case as well. Um, I think one of the things that's very important to, and you, you referenced it, the information that comes out, uh, could be more damaging certainly to Brett Favre than to anyone else involved in the case. Uh, but one of the responsibilities when you make a claim like this in court is to prove that it damages your character, correct? Right. So pretty much anything that is in Brett Favre's past would be open, wouldn't it? Because We're gonna say, did you ever have any character like any positive character image to uphold anyway? Yeah, well, it's gonna be about what the
2: worth is of your image and and like kind of goodwill. So going into you you can have experts to say, Well, we think the Brett Favre name is worth, you know, this amount of money, and they're gonna have an expert on the defense side and say, well, after he sent the pics to this journalist, you know, of his privates, and after he did this, we, they didn't. The other expert didn't diminish his his value based on those, and they should have. We did, and so every bad thing that they, that he's ever done publicly, or even, you know, now it's got to be publicly that that is known. They get to reference for sure. And I always, I always forget
1: you. You are not a Seinfeld guy, right? Uh, no, I did. I watched it the first time through. I've watched it since. Okay, Wow. We are really missing out. Uh, the finale, it was a different kind yeah. of case. Yeah. But essentially it was just character witness after yeah. character witness saying, like, these people are trash. Yes. Like, this could be the Brett Favre case, right? <laughs> like, we're just going to call person after person saying he's a horrible person. Well, you have to go to the value that Brett Favre
2: has, right? So he has to come up with monetary damages for how he was – hurt by what pat mcafee said so in order to do that they have to say like hey before this controversy which is false and pat mcafee amplified his the value of the brett Favre name was this and they'll have a whole bunch of evidence to show that there is value they can't say it's zero right Right. that there is value clearly because he gets commercials he does things right so okay they got that value and after that after this controversy, and and the difficult part they're going to have to say is directly because of Pat McAfee's uh, statements Jokes. on this day and none of the other stuff, his, his, his marketability has suffered down to this. Now, there is another type of character, which I think is what you're talking about, which is just kind of like your overall character in the community. Am I a good person? Am I no no longer believable because you told lies about me? And yes, that's a real thing, but it is difficult to put monetary value on that. So that's why typically you don't see these defamation cases from somebody who doesn't have any marketability to their name. It usually is somebody who has some worth because they have to put worth onto
1: what the damage, you know, what what was caused. So... As we're as we're going forward to this case, also one of the things that McAfee side has said a lot they talk about it on the show is, look, we're just discussing a news item. Yep. It was written about in the newspaper. We're talking about it now. They made jokes. Yeah, like how much leeway do you have to make jokes off of a report? Without you then being the one that's reporting something new, if you get what I'm saying, yes, like, exactly. You're just right. making yeah. fun of something. Yeah. I'm not saying that this happened. The, the report said that it happened. That's right. Yeah. And, and he, there's, there's a ton of leeway. McAfee with it. did call uh, did call Favre the sticky finger bandit from Home Alone. Yeah, <laughs> which is not in a report. It's right. funny, but I guess how like where does that kind of lie?
2: Yeah, so there, there are protections for that. There's there's you're, you're touching on multiple layers of protections that you have from defamation actions in the United States. First one is that if the person is a public figure, which there's no doubt that Brett Favre is, and the person who's being alleged to have defamed them is a journalist. Now, they're going to argue that Pat McAfee is not a journalist. He can argue that he is a journalist or is certainly in a position to discuss newsworthiness that – the alleged defaming statements must be done with actual malice, meaning Pat McAfee knew the statements were false when he made them and did it for the purpose of damaging Favre for his own betterment. He he knew it was false, and he wanted to hurt Favre. So that that's hurdle number one. Hurdle number two is under the... First Amendment and and protections of free speech is the idea that you can use satire, um, you know, basically I'm allowed to joke uh, in terms of things that are public or newsworthy uh, in a fashion that doesn't make, doesn't rise to level of defamatory language. Like, satire is okay otherwise saturday night live would be sued (laughs) all the time right right so stand-up comedians so you have to prove that the statement that pat mcafee made not only was done knowingly false and with the intention to specifically hurt brett Favre, but was also done in a way that was not intended to be satire or a joke but was intended to be made and received as a statement of fact
1: if, very difficult if brett Favre came to you and asked you to take this case i know it's not your specialty you would say no right? i would say no 100 <laughs> percent no and you would tell him hey man not only am i saying no like you should probably drop this this it, is going to go poorly <clears> for you
2: well it, it's different in this in si- situation most of the time when somebody gets um you know uh a defamation lawyer it's usually it's personal injury lawyer like myself um but when and we have taken defamation cases but if they take a defamation case it's usually contingency fee which means i only get paid if i get you money sure right and i take a percentage um i'm sure that's not the case here i'm sure brett is paying an hourly rate to a big expensive law firm to do this stuff and why that attorney that he's got is going to making all these public statements And bringing the story back, he's constantly bringing the story back into the news, is a bit baffling to me.
1: And his lawyer, I believe, is a Trump White House lawyer. Yeah. I mean, he probably is trying to stay in the public spotlight, I would imagine, is the point of doing this.
2: Yeah, but that's, you know, obviously there's codes of ethics there and you don't do it at the expense of your client. Right? You, you don't better yourself at the expense of your client. I think a little bit of that's happening here.
1: Interesting case uh, involving a personality on social media, Taylor Mathis, who uh, we know and is around. Uh, she talked about on Twitter teaching kids how to fill out a bracket as part of math. I, yeah. I mean, kids do. Believe me. I was learning how to fill out a bracket when I was in kindergarten. She talked about this on social media. There was huge backlash she was let go from her job, although I think she was already on the way out. They just kind of yeah. moved up the timeline of when she was out of her job. What what is the I guess the bigger picture in this case of what is going on? And people freaked out about this. I really never saw an issue. What's funny about
2: this is um, I'll, I'll take umbrage with the idea that pe- there was big backlash. There was there was backlash by one group, you okay. know. But so like, so let me start off by saying. Um, You know, as I understand the story, I don't know Taylor, but I follow her on social media. So, like, I see the, you know, I saw her post this story um, where she spoke up about what exactly happened. Her sister's an elementary school teacher. Wanted to have her in on, you know, kind of help out with, like, a math sort of thing. And they were talking about the different things. They were going to start with baseball because there's more statistics and all that. But they said, well, it's March Madness. Why don't we do a March Madness bracket? We could talk about, like... Probability probabilities that yeah. things are going to happen and what 1 and 16 seeds are and how unlikely, all the different combinations, right? That's what we're going to talk about. And and that's what she did talk about. And she said she never brought up gambling, never said anything about gambling, never said anything. All she said is that she's a reporter and she works with teams and works with athletes, and that's how she conveyed herself. I think it was a second-grade class, yeah. maybe third-grade class. Yeah. Okay? And all the report, everything. She, she posted a picture on Twitter of her in the classroom. And everything, all the comments in response to that, were all positive. Not a single negative one. And then there's, there's this group out there for, like, responsible gaming. And they decide to talk to her employer and say, we find this offensive, the group, that, that she would be doing this. And so her employer, who she'd already given notice to, yeah. she was moving on from, comes to her and said, hey, pull down the, pull down the, uh, the tweet, the photo. And issue an apology. They got this group out there, and she's like, "Okay." So she she does. She tells them exactly what happens, but then she does, and then they fire her anyway. And so, or or tell her like it's over now instead of in your couple weeks. Yeah, yeah. When when you got to give notice, and and from my perspective, number one, I just think culture wise, like it's a bit ridiculous that we allow somebody, you know, one particular group. That by the way has a bias towards being offended they exist to the extent that they that there is offense to be taken right if there if there is no offense to be taken they don't have jobs sure so they have a bias towards being offended finds offense they're the only ones that finds offense and it could affect somebody in this sort of way where the, where the allegation is she's grooming children yeah that's the allegation they made I just think it's gross. I think it's gross. And then on top of it, what her employer Horrible did. Horrible phrasing. Yeah. Horrible.
3: Yes. The vernacular is ridiculous.
2: Then what, what my legal mind goes to is, hmm, does she have a claim against her employer if they knew that they were going to ask her to leave early, but they asked her to take down the photo and issue an apology, thereby like bringing light to this and making her give the appearance that she had done something wrong before she moves on with her— professional career does she have a claim against them if they did that with that sort of intent like we're gonna we're gonna make her look silly on our way out and i think the answer is yes
3: i think justin's got a future client <laughs>
1: <Maybe>. <laughs> it's not my state yeah uh, very interesting case there's several like it too we'll get into a couple more things that are going on justin Watkins joins us against steve cofield coming up in about 30 minutes live from houston adam hill willie ramirez keeping you company here on this wednesday as we continue
0: it's time for espn las vegas legal insider justin watkins to lay down the law only on cofield and company
1: cofield and company adam Hill, willie ramirez here with you steve coming up just a little bit um I don't – I usually know a lot about things that we're going to talk about. Sometimes I don't. This one I really don't know anything except what I see on social media. Gwyneth Paltrow is being sued. I don't – the pictures of her in the courtroom look hilarious and sad at the same time. I don't know what's going on with this case. The the Everybody involved seems to be kind of wacky. What exactly is at issue here? Oh, what I have heard – is that she's being sued because somebody claims she she basically ran him over on the ski slope and then just took off. That's all I've heard. I don't even know if that's true. I wish I didn't
2: know anything about this case. (laughs) I feel like you do. When it it, it came to the rundown and I was like, oh, i got to actually dig into some of the details (laughs) of this case because it's awful. So it's a trial that's going on in Utah by a retired optometrist – Who is suing Gwyneth Paltrow, saying that she hit him on the ski slope, took off, didn't even like try to help him or ask if he was okay, and he suffered brain damage as a result. He's got multiple personality disorder now that he attributes to this incident. Um, He 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 says he you know he was retired anyway, but he's lost cognitive function. But that can happen.
1: You can get you can get hit and have multiple personality disorder. (laughs)
2: Well, the, I mean, the one clip that's worth <laughs> noting is there's a clip of him on the stand where Gwyneth Paltrow's attorney is cross-examining him, saying, like, here's the things that you said, right? You said these. He said him in deposition. He goes, that wasn't this personality. That was the other one that lives in my head. He's like, all right. And, and he's like, and he literally says and do you think that's Gwyneth Paltrow's fault? And he's like, absolutely. <laughs> so.
3: suddenly, suddenly I have visions of the movie <laughs> yeah. Primal Fear with yeah. Richard Gere, yeah. where he gets uh, Edward Norton to go, to oh, change personalities on the stand.
2: Oh, I, I wish the lawyers were at that level in this, because <laughs> it's <laughs> not that way. So, but, but she alleges, and she countersued him for a okay, dollar.
1: Okay. And legal say.
2: fees. And, and, well, that yeah. it triggers the legal fees if she wins. Right. Um, legal fees and costs. It says... He hit her, um, and you know that was it. Like He hit her. So she called the ski patrol. Everybody was checked out. He was cleared on the mountain. He left. Hit, her doctors had Wait,
1: that might have been a different person.
2: It's a yeah. different personality. Well, here, <laughs>
1: let me ask you this real quick, Justin, because- but, Real quick. Okay. This guy
2: had suffered a stroke years before <laughs> oh, and had been going to doctors for years talking allegedly- according to the experts, talking about his his cognitive issues, his issues with his personality. Like, so, you know, there, there's there's tons of reason to believe that Gwyneth wait, Paltrow is 100% in the right on this.
3: Wait, one. he sued... This happened in 2016. In 2019, he sues her for $3.1 million. Yes. Then a judge yeah. rules that it was not entitled to punitive damages, and the figure was reduced. Because that judge ruled one thing but reduced it, does that automatically say... We find you guilty in, in
2: There's no guilty. There's no innocent guilty. All it says Or that is, you're
3: responsible for that money.
2: No, no, no. Okay. All it says is that there is no evidence of any sort of intent or malice on the part of Paltro or any other defendants at that point. Also at that point, the judge kicked out all the remaining defendants. They sued like the resort and you know, some of the some of the ski patrol and the workers, they were all in the suit. But Utah laws protecting resorts and ski... Resort employees are super rigid. You you cannot. You go and wreck on the mountain. There is no avenue for you to recover in Utah against a ski resort for for good reason. You think about it. Um, So all the judge made determination of is that you don't have any facts to allege um, intent, malice, or reckless disregard. So that if the jury were to find in your favor, that they can award punitive damages in excess of whatever your actual damages are. Punitive damages aren't meant to reimburse you for your losses. They're meant to punish me for my wrongs. So it's a whole different category of damages.
1: Justin, uh, great stuff as always. What do you got going on? How can people get a hold of you?
2: Yeah, well, you know we've opened the office in Reno. We've got an office in Henderson. We're opening an office this month in downtown. So rapid growth all throughout and uh, give us a call at anywhere in Nevada, 766-1400.
1: Awesome stuff. We thank you. We continue Cofield and Company. It is, Kofi and the company. Good highlights there. Good for the league. Good for everyone, right? Everyone loves San Diego State. I think, as I say that, wearing an FAU shirt right now in studio. Probably shouldn't have revealed that to our good friend, Stormy Bonatoni, who joins Adam and Willie on the phone right now. How you doing? Um,
0: I'm good, but how dare you?
1: I know. Oh, my gosh. Here we go. <laughs> I know. I'm still
3: stuck and a little traumatized on the, uh, I don't know if you put it on TikTok and shared it to the to Instagram on the reel or whatever, but the behind the scenes of Stormy in the quilt, hair up, watching the game.
0: Traumatized? That's a little rough. Yeah. Well, just, what is that?
3: Just, I mean, the the wave of emotions. I was like, Jesus. I, I mean, I felt like I was right there with you.
0: Yeah. No, so, so it's actually funny too, Willie, because... When it comes to the Final Four being out there in Houston, um, I've been doing XFL coverage yeah. for SPN this season, yep. and I initially was assigned a game in Houston this Sunday. And I got moved off of it. Our schedule changed, so I'm staying home in Vegas. But, like, long before I ever thought San Diego State would be um, in the game, I was like, oh, that's cool. Maybe we go to, Maybe we go to a Final Four game on Saturday, and then we work our game on Sunday. And now that San Diego State is actually in it, I am so grateful that I got moved off of that game and I'm doing a Vegas home game because I can't watch San Diego State play basketball in public. Like if you if I am yeah. I am a hot mess. I am an embarrassment. I don't need any cameras on me doing the surrender cobra or my eyes welling up like the Utah State cheerleader. I just don't need that in my life. And so um, I'm really excited that uh, I'm going to be at home. My family from California is going to drive up to Vegas to be here to watch it with me, too. And my Vegas Vipers game ends, the broadcast window ends right at 3 and tip-off for SDSU-FAU is around 3.10, so uh, I'm going to be hustling
3: home. Oh Well, I will be there. I'm going for the matinee just to kind of hang out a little bit. I have a prearranged event that I have to be at Saturday night, but I am going to go there. So I will be down there. So if you need you know, to, to be brought down off the ledge, if you need some calming, your boy will be at Cashman with you.
0: Them be like an absolute mess. So definitely find me.
3: (laughs) So when I said traumatized, I hope you I didn't mean like watching you, I just meant like feeling the vibe of being there with you. I was like, Jesus. It was intense.
0: It's a whirlwind of emotions for me. And actually watching um so that was the sweet sixteen game. Watching the Elite Eight game, I was on a plane going to my XFL assignment in DC and I had spotty Wi-Fi connection. Oh. So I'm like getting ready to take off on a flight Those and I, passengers. the foul that everybody's all upset about with Nemhard, Um, and I, I'm, I'm like, I don't even see the foul as it happens because my Wi-Fi is freezing, and so I, oh my gosh, so chaotic! I my and I'm in a middle seat. I'm just annoying the heck out of the people next to me. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm a mess in a nutshell. But that's nothing that you two didn't already know.
1: If it makes you feel any better, nobody saw the foul, Stormy.
0: <laughs> okay, too soon because <laughs> I, I I did go back and rewatch it, and it was a foul. I get what everybody's saying in the moment of like. Now it's up to the rest of do they call it or do they not in these critical moments and games and trying to compare it to Bradbury in the Super Bowl. But Bradbury did say he like he did it. So I'm just like, come on. this It was a foul. It is what it is. Move on and just embrace what is San Diego State basketball, guys. So
1: all the good San Diego State alums, the people that really care about the program, will all be in Houston. Um, do you, is there anything you want me to tell them down there since you will not be there?
0: good that is just cruel that's just <laughs> that's just messed up the way you're being but no I mean just SDSU Aztecs fight Aztecs for life keep the positive vibes going and you know hopefully San Diego State continues to play the brand of defense that they've become known for and that they've had be so dominant in the tournament to this point like that's all that's all that I can really ask at this point Star- that
1: has to be oh I'm sorry Tony joining us uh VEASAN XFL sideline I mean there's so many spots we can't even list all the all the amount of work that you're doing all yeah, the time uh, joins us on the show. Now that they're there, they're in the final four. Great run, but they are playing FAU. Like, is it is it a is it a disappointment if they don't win at this point?
0: Um, for so this is what's hard about it is because because it's FAU. You think of the the name value and you think of what are you talking about? Florida Atlantic didn't even have a single tournament win in program history until this year. Like. This is a no-brainer that SDSU is going to win. And that's just not the case. Like this is really a coin flip game. I know you look at SDSU upsetting the top overall seed in the tournament and think it's going to it would be a disappointment if they didn't get over the hump and make a national championship game when this is who they're playing in the final four, but how good has FAU been? Like they have been excellent in this tournament. They come into this game having more wins than anybody in college basketball at thirty-five and three. They are full of guys with experience and toughness. And I mean, just look at Exhibit A, Jerome Tang, the head coach of Kansas State, going into their locker room after they lost and saying, You guys are the toughest son of a guns that we have played in this tournament. And that was coming off of the the battle they had with Michigan State saying, like, you guys are the toughest guys, go win this thing. So, I mean, I think that FAU is is a legit team. Now it just is up to SDSU whether or not they move forward, whether or not they can continue to have that dominant defense, especially on the perimeter. FAU is another one of those teams that sees 44% of their shots on the floor come from three. Um, Can Matt Bradley actually wake up? Like, if you would have told me that Matt Bradley – the top scorer for San Diego State throughout the course of the regular season, combined for just eight points against Alabama and Creighton in the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, went one of eight from the floor. Uh, no, I would not say that they would have gone on to the, to the Final Four if that was the case. Like This is a guy that usually plays 28 or so minutes. He's playing 19 or 20 minutes in those games. And so, um, things need to come together for them to make a national championship. But it is—it's at the point now, guys, where it's real. It's real, and it's there for the taking.
1: You are clearly a San Diego State fan for sure, but you are also in the sports betting world. You're a better. You're an, an analyst. You have to take the fan hat off. Minus two. What are you doing?
0: Well, the benefits of being a San Diego State fan is that I do have an 80-to-1 in pocket. It's nice. a small bet, but nice. I do have one.
1: <laughs> Are you hedging? So you're betting, you gonna hedge? So, so you got so money on FAU, money I,
0: I think that it would almost, ugh, like, that's, that's the big thing for me is kind of the strategy of this game and how I want to play it. I've, I've been on the way to this point with that ticket and now just trying to figure out what I want to do because I do feel like San Diego State should win this game. Like, again, they held Alabama 3 of 27 from 3. Creighton 2 of 17 from 3. Um, the best three-point shooting performance they've had against them in the tournament was Furman, and it was 23%. They are the best perimeter defense, second in, second in the country, excuse me, in three-point percentage allowed against teams this year. So if, if FAU has trouble with those sight lines playing in NRG Stadium, the threes aren't going. SDSU is also the best rebounding team they've faced in the tournament. So if the threes aren't going in and SDSU is getting some of those boards that the Owls usually get, I think things could play into their favor and they could win this game by by six or eight points. But will that happen? I'm not so sure. One thing I do feel confident in from a betting perspective on this game, guys, is that San Diego State has found ways to dictate pace in every single game. They are on a 12-game under streak, a trend that began well before the tournament. Their first half unders also seven and one. The last eight games, so a couple bets I think might be worthwhile um, because I do think that defense is going to kind of be the way of this game, whether or not SDSU ends on top. Is that it'll be lower scoring? So I do like the under 132. I do like Florida Atlantic team total under 65 and a half. Um, a first half under. I think could potentially be a decent play in this game as well. Um, it's just one of those things where if there's anything consistent about about SDSU, it's that they can slow down a game. And it's, I mean, we know they can go cold offensively, right? So um, the comp that I have with FAU is when they played Tennessee, and all of the talk going into that game was, "Hey, this Tennessee defense is going to manhandle them." They did not, obviously but they still played to that Tennessee pace. The final score in that game with FAU winning was 62-55, 117 total points in a game with a pregame total of under 130. So um, that's the way that I think if you're just a casual better trying to get involved in this game, you think it's a coin flip, you don't have a side, really decided the under might be the way to go.
3: UConn has won all of its games by double digits, laying five and a half to Miami. Your thoughts on the second of the Final Four?
0: Goodness, they are a buzzsaw in this tournament. Um, you talk about how they're winning games. By an average of nearly 23 points per game, they are covering by an average of 17.5 points per game. Each of these games have been as a favorite. If you're betting alt lines on UConn, you're cashing big tickets. They're top 11 in offensive and defensive efficiency. They have a dominant big man in Adama Sinogo who – is observing Ramadan. He's not eating or drinking all day long. And he's still averaging seventeen points per game, seven boards, and held Drew Timmy to twelve points. So um I I know a lot of people have talked about Miami and the five and a half points being maybe a little bit too many. Their guard play has been excellent and I agree, but their defense still ranks outside the top one hundred. I think that this is is UConn's to lose. I even think UConn to win it all, um, even though it's an odds-on number at minus 125, there's still probably a little bit of value in that if you wanted to bet them to win it all. Because, I mean, with SDSU and FAU on the other side, uh, as much as I hate to say it, like UConn looks pretty poised to win this thing. Uh,
1: One stat you didn't mention when you were talking about the San Diego State game. Conference USA is seventeen and one in the postseason this year. That's insane.
0: Yeah. Okay, but it's FAU and then it's the NIT <laughs> and the CBI. Okay. Yes, I understand they're winning games, but that has nothing to do with Florida Atlantic's run. Not like totally different things. That's why I hate the whole the Mountain West sucks in the tournament conversation. Okay. Sure. Um, you can talk all the crap that you want, but I mean, look what SDSU is doing. So I I don't know. I, Correlation does not prove causation, okay?
1: I know I know a bunch of handicappers, a ton of them, and a lot of them that you work with, love the Mountain West under three and a half. How much joy do you take that San Diego State got four on their own?
0: <laughs> I, I honestly, like, I felt really bad for all of them. <laughs> no, because, you didn't. No, I did. Being a former
3: Mountain West employee as well, you were rooting for the M-Dub. Of
0: course I'm rooting for the Mountain West. But I also, like was of the belief that Nevada did not deserve to be in the tournament, and then they go on to embarrass themselves. And it's hard to have high expectations for a team like Utah State after you watch what SDSU was able to do to them in the last two games that they played. And so, you know, I just I didn't have as, as much faith as I would have liked to in the Mountain West this year, but I said from the start that SDSU was a Sweet 16 team for me this year. And so... Uh, I thought that that might be kind of a number that they topped out at. So I was very much so – I would never bet it, but I was very much so in agreement with a lot of the people at our network. So I did. I felt bad for them at that point. Like, what a way for them to lose. San Diego State making their first Final Four <laughs> in program history.
1: <laughs> there you go. Great st-
0: history, too. The league's yeah. never gotten here. No very question.
1: Cool. Great stuff from Stormy. Check her out. v check her out on the sidelines for the XFL game. The Vegas Vipers coming up this week. Anything else people should check out right now?
0: Um, no, that's about it, but it is occupying all of my time, that's <laughs> for sure. But I appreciate the hype up guys.
1: Great job, Stormy. As always, Kofi and the Company continues on this Wednesday.